0: talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan. And that way, it might be really
1: good. Wow. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Starry. Clark Gregg. Ming-Na Wen. Chloe
0: Bennett. Elizabeth Hensridge,
1: Henry Simmons, Natalia Cordova-Buckley, Jeff Ward. Tonight's episode, A Trout in the Milk. Hello, and welcome to It's Good accepted It Sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time, we're taking a look at Season 7 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., first shown in May 2020, when... If you wanted to look clever in front of your friends, you could have watched Call Your Mother, The Substitute 10 Wilders Pranks, or Untold Stories of Hip Hop Quarantine Edition instead. You have no idea how long it took to find three programmes that debuted in May 2020.
0: (laughs) I think you could have just made a joke about or you could have just sat in lockdown instead.
1: Well, that'll give you a clue as to when we've been watching this and when we've been recording it. I'm Tim Worthington and we'll be finding out what I made of season seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shortly. Meanwhile, joining us to give his thoughts on season seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is quiz expert David Smith. David, where can people find you?
0: You can still find me on Twitter at DVDSmith. I'm also on Twitch playing video games on there. That's uh, the same username. So just come and find me on there and say hi.
1: Okay, so before we go any further, David, what happens in Season 7 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.?
0: Well, I think to start that, I have to go back to what happened in Season 6. In our part 2 of our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we kind of glossed over Season 6 a little bit, and it kind of ties straight into Season 7. So, Season 6, one of the overarching themes of Season 6 is they've introduced this creature called the Chronicoms, who are a race of of cyborg aliens that are chasing down a few of the characters in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One of the Chronicoms helped Fitz get to the future in Season 5. One of them is called Enoch, and we meet others of his race in Season 6. And over the course of Season 6, we learn that the Chronicoms have a planet called Chronica 2, I think it's called, and we learn that their planet has been devastated by plague and that they are on the search for a new planet. So by the end of Season 6, we learn that all of the Chronicoms are now hunting the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they are planning on taking over earth and turning earth into their new planet chronica 3 so to prevent this enoch who is the Chronicon that's on the side of the agents sends them back in time to try and prevent the Chronicoms from taking over Earth because what the Chronicoms are doing, the Chronicoms have the power to time travel and they also have access to something called the time stream which allows them to predict the events of the future kind of in a sort of C-3PO kind of there is a 97% chance of this thing happening kind of way and so they travel back to the origins of when S.H.I.E.L.D. was founded and the agents follow them back through their ripples in time to travel back to what we start with the 1930s and go forward into the 50s in the 70s and the 80s, to key moments in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s history to try and stop the Chronicoms from changing history so that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist in order so that they can take over planet Earth without S.H.I.E.L.D. being there to stop them. And so Season 7 is kind of a time travel adventure going through the various, it's kind of a sort of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s greatest hits in a way, because they're going through from the very beginnings in 1930 all the way through to the 1980s, going through all the important parts of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s history. It's basically a sort of love letter to S.H.I.E.L.D. as a whole throughout the ages as a way of it being the final season yeah we do get through various means a lot of characters
1: from previous series turn up which more than made up for me the fact that you know there were people like i know i remember chris evans saying he'd love to appear in the last season of agents of shield and obviously that didn't happen for one reason or another we never got captain america we didn't actually get peggy carter in this despite indications that we would but we got all kinds of people like the Koenig show up again as you mentioned enox in it the inhumans who will come back to victoria hamrick stoner piper of flint who wasn't expected to see again but the big one let's be honest about this is daniel sousa from agent carter
0: yeah why did they bring sousa back i was thinking this because i was kind of waiting because again like you say we were expecting Haley atwell to maybe show up for the final season because she's shown up in previous seasons and because agent carter got cancelled on a cliffhanger a lot of the rumors that were going around were that they were going to use the last season of agents of shield with this time travel aspect to wrap up the unfinished storylines of agent carter and and so it gets to about four episodes into season seven and suddenly Daniel Sousa shows up and you're going, oh, right, OK, here we go. We're getting characters from Agent Carter now. And it just ends up being Sousa. And then they take Sousa with them onto their time traveling adventures and he just becomes part of the team and he's kind of a man out of time. And I'm not entirely sure narratively where they were going with that, because he doesn't really, aside from playing up the sort of man out of time, not familiar with technology stick, I'm not sure what exactly the point of having him there was if it wasn't to to tie into Agent Carter at all. So that did confuse me a little bit. Although having said that, one of the biggest downsides about this season was they didn't have fits. So maybe they were trying to make up for the lack of fits by having another character in his place. But yeah, I was a bit confused about the whole Agent Sousa thing. Although I thought the actor was fantastic. I was kind of glad that he came back because he he fit in well. I'm just not sure narratively what the point of it was.
1: Well, I have a different take on it because I think I can kind of see where they were going with it, which is that, you know, even to people who've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right from the beginning, a time travel story on this scale is going to be a bit of a headache. And if you've got a character there who, whereas, you know, if you think about in Lost, when they tried to do time travel and they had to stop it because you'd have things like, characters like Hurley would have to have it explained to them. And there was no way they were going to understand it. So they just have to keep saying, dude, I don't get it. So if we went back to whatever, and that just became boring. But here, because Susie had his SSR training in the 40s and 50s and had seen all kinds of weird things going on, but if he said, what's happening in the well, this has happened with time and because of that, that's happened. Explaining it in a way that the audience can get as a refresher, he'll just go, oh, okay, right. Yeah, okay. I think that's what the purpose was. And I think that worked really well, actually.
0: Now that you put it like that, yeah, I can see that. Because again, yeah, by this point, all of the agents on the ship are veterans. They all know each other very well. They are all experienced. And because they're all on their own, there's very few people to explain things to, in a way. Although having said that, they're dealing with time travel, so none of them really know what they're doing. But yeah, I can see what you mean there. It's kind of, he does serve that kind of purpose okay so maybe i'll revise this a little bit but i still think him coming along for the ride i think it was just because they liked the character to be honest i don't think they really had any plans with him because he doesn't really do much apart from become a love interest for daisy before the end that's a minor criticism for what i thought was overall a, a pretty strong season to finish up on i loved the mcu history i loved the tie-ins to stuff like the winter soldier with project insight with agent carter and things like that and i loved that they properly dove into each era and in terms of like the title card changed every single time so when it came up with agents of shield it was in the 1930s style or the 1950s style and i think they actually they played out the time periods really well i was really impressed with that
1: my favorite one was when they were in the 70s the opening titles there were exactly like you would have seen well they were quite like the 70s marvel tv shows that never quite worked and they do actually reference that in this where bruce banner's name you know he must have been about two or three at the period they went to his name appears on the project in site list. And May makes a remark about he won't be interesting for another couple of decades yet. (laughs) Which is obviously some shade thrown at the 70s Hulk TV series. But like you say, yeah, I love the little references to everything else. And in a sense, although it isn't explicitly said, this is a way of tying up some of the time-related loose ends and loops and plot holes in the rest of the MCU. Because there's things like, is it one of the Iron Man films gives a sort of passage of time that's inconsistent with The others. There's the whole Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers hooking up in the past business. There's all kinds of things like that. There's Star Lord and the past Gamora and so on. And the idea that because they have. To, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have just fixed all the problems with time. Just puts <laughs> all that to rest, I think, and that's a great way of doing
0: it. Yeah, I wasn't sure about their time travel at the start, because they always talked about like making ripples within time and things like that, but then by the end, they're talking about time travel using the Quantum Realm again, which is what's an Avengers Endgame, so it, it seemed like I was a little confused about exactly what they were doing with the time travel in that aspect. But yeah, I was really impressed with those kind of things, although I, I mean, this is an aside, but the Captain America Peggy Carter thing, I'm not entirely sure what was going on there because most people assume that agent sousa was the husband that agent carter ended up with that she mentions in winter soldier oh,
1: i did yeah
0: yeah and then we find out in about episode four of this that agent sousa actually dies in the 50s so i'm not entirely sure who agent carter ends up marrying in that timeline and then obviously she ends up with captain america in another timeline i'm not entirely sure what's going on there that seems to create more questions than it answers i think
1: well there's also the very very minor but it really annoyed me means- Think of that his name is the first on the memorial to the fallen shield agents how come when Daisy's looking at it much much earlier in agents of shield she picks out Bucky Barnes name from it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't quite fit.
0: These are minor things, yes. I think, to say. Yeah. We could nitpick for hours about this. But yeah, going back to the time period, I love that they didn't shy away from what being in the 30s would have been like for some of those agents. Because obviously this is a very multi-racial cast. It's a very diverse cast. They've got a spread of gender and race. And obviously, going back to the 1930s and 50s, they don't shy away from showing the discrimination that those people faced. And it was very sort of apt when those episodes came out because they were showing these episodes and showing this discrimination at the time when the Black Lives Matter protests started kicking off, sort of the beginning of June and obviously this was all filmed sort of a year ago. It was good to see them not shy away from that and not shy away from the fact that these people would not have been treated as well as they would have been today, even though again, they're not being treated as well today as they should be.
1: And I was quite impressed by the way they handled that without letting it dominate or overrun the story which, you know, it would have been easy to do by the very fact that they have Deke with them who's from the future, who's function when they were in the past was mainly to say hey that's wrong you're not treating that person fairly and their response was always yeah Deke but you've got to remain blending in you've got to be undercover here or everything's finished forever and that's a good way of dealing with it I
0: think yeah and it was also they had racism in it a lot more than sexism although you get you got a couple of throwaway lines between the Koenig and Simmons talking about things like I'm a doctor not a dame I'm a biologist not a bird and things like that but I think Agent Carter showed the sexism of the 40s so prominently that I think they decided to focus more on the sort of racial injustice of the time as well but I thought that was very well done and again like you said, they didn't overshadow the actual storyline too much having said that those early episodes I was getting a little bit tired of it by the sort of halfway through because it felt like every time they went it, w- it felt a bit repetitive in the first half of the season because it was a case of go to a new time find out where the bad guys are stop the bad guys get back to the ship before they run out of time and it jumps to the next time and then do it again in the next generation so in the 30s they had two episodes in the 30s they had two episodes in the 50s days where they did the same thing two episodes in the 70s and it was really sort of by the time you got to episode 6 or 7 I was kind of getting a little it was cool it was cool to see all the different things that they were doing but it did have the same kind of format and I was waiting for them to change it up a bit and then they went and changed it up a bit by having one of the weirdest episodes of the entire show
1: I hope you're referring to the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D because I
0: am indeed referring to that my
1: favourite episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ever I loved everything about that
0: (laughs) I'm still not not entirely sure what to make of it. I mean, we talked about this in the last Agents episode with the episode of season 6, where they take the drugs and they get all hallucinogenic, and you are kind of torn between, I'm loving this, but also, it's not moving the story on, we've got limited episodes, get on with it. I was kind of torn at times, you know, it was it was fun, it, it was so much fun to see Deke in that 80s band, it absolutely was, but at the same time, you're kind of sort of just watching a grief-stricken Mac who's just had to kill his parents. Kind of a shame to see Mac in that state, even if you could understand why.
1: It was, but I love that it gave because Deke had kind of almost been comic relief for most of the time it gave him some depth here particularly the fact that Mark hadn't realised or appreciated that Deke had enormous faith in him as a leader and that then gives Deke a chance to shine by himself but the big thing that swayed me was this joke in it involving Phil Coulson about the match headroom broadcast intrusion they had somehow targeted that directly at me that's the only conclusion I could come to oh uh,
0: it was it was a left turn definitely <laughs> I don't know i I think i need to sit back and think about it again in the whole grand scheme of things and maybe on a binge i'll like it a bit more but when you're watching it week after week and you're desperate to find out what's going to happen next and you're asking yourself every single episode where is Fitz? i want to see Fitz again and then you're just watching mac get fat and grow a beard in his house for a year (laughs)
1: make a car a toy car
0: yeah and make a car that's true actually yeah I'm, i'm not doing him the credit he deserves but yeah i think it's one of those episodes where it doesn't move the plot along at all i was trying my best to enjoy it for what it was and it was fun to see those characters but at the same time i was kind of thinking you know come on do something it wasn't my favorite episode my favorite episode of season seven was the one with the time loops that episode was utterly incredible i think it was basically like groundhog day and edge of tomorrow all rolled into one and i thought that episode was utterly superb
1: yeah that was called as i always have been and did you notice who directed it
0: it was elizabeth henstridge wasn't it it was it was simmons
1: it was apparently the story is that she'd been badgering for years because she does direct as well and she wanted to direct an episode and it was never sort of possible for from a logistical point of view, apparently. But this one was earmarked for her because it involved all these people she'd worked with for years, and these characters that her character reacted against for years. In a situation where the same thing kept repeating, but it revolves around a different one of them acting differently each time. And they needed somebody who knew the mechanics of how they would all react to that different thing happening. And I think she did an excellent job on it. It's nearly... It's my second favourite episode of the run. It doesn't quite beat totally excellent Adventures of Mac and the D, but <laughs> I think like you say, everything about it... Ironically, it runs like clockwork for an episode about time falling apart.
0: It does. And it's, it's very, very... It's very tight. And the fact that... Because they, they have to basically do something like Edge of Tomorrow, which if you haven't seen it, that's an excellent film, by the way. But they have to do that in the course of 40 minutes of screen time, and so they have to make the most of every single second that they have. Because the thing about the time loop is that the time loops are getting shorter each time, so they're stuck in this kind of time whirlpool almost, as where slowly and slowly they're getting closer and closer to basically vanishing out of existence. So every time they restart the loop, they're only you know so many kilometers away from disappearing altogether. So they have to figure out how to stop it. While also not remembering what they're there for or dying each time and trying to convince the other characters what is happening and get them to help. It's so well done. I don't think it's my favorite either. I think my favorite is probably in season four, with the stuff that we talked about before, with the LMDs and the framework and all that. I think that run is still my favorite, but for me it was the best episode of the season. I thought Elizabeth Henstridge did an exceptional job in her first time directing on the show.
1: Thank you all for coming out tonight. My name is Deke Shaw
0: and I wrote this song.
1: back, which surprised me, because the version of the Inhumans that were in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as we've already touched on, they started well, it was a promising way of doing something different with them, and they outstayed their welcome. And then there was the Inhumans TV series. Absolutely bomb. I wasn't (laughs) expecting them to come back in this, and actually be really good, and fit really well. I should say, it's not the ones from the Inhumans series that came back, it's Jiaying and Gordon, and a couple of others. They really, really progressed the plot along, I
0: think. They did, yeah, and again, I think it was because they took advantage of the fact that Jai Ying who's obviously Daisy Johnson's mother in the show her gift is she's not quite immortal but she can live for a really long time and not age so they can get the same actress back and just get younger versions of the other characters because it's also about as well as it being S.H.I.E.L.D.'s history as a whole it's the history of the team and so they go back to Daisy Johnson to make sure that she isn't born because one of the storylines involves Daisy Johnson's mother having a daughter before she has Daisy and the grief of that daughter dying her whose name is Cora is what causes her to move away from the Inhuman Sanctuary meet Daisy's father and then have Daisy the villains of Chronicoms are trying to make it so that Daisy is never born which is why they go back to the Inhuman Sanctuary I thought it was really well done I do think they got a bit more characterization to Jiaying because I think in I'm, I'm re-watching season 2 at the moment and she's just kind of this villain you don't really see her motivations from before you don't really see the person that Daisy's dad would have fallen in love with you just see her as this kind of, kind of evil kind of the opposite of Thanos in Avengers in a way you see the person that they were before as well as the evil person they are now and I think they did really well and I think they did really well with the casting as well because one of the characters that they have is John Garrett who is the main villain in season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. he plays the clairvoyant and he's played in season one by Bill Paxton and to play his younger self they actually got James Paxton they got Bill Paxton's son and he does a really really good impression of his dad and having watched both of them back to back in the last few weeks it's actually a really really good casting having watched it all now i knew i mean we talked about this in the previous episode but they had their budget absolutely crushed sort of season five and six and that kind of continued into season seven i think they made really good use of it most of their budget goes on cgi and there wasn't very much obviously because they're dealing with the 30s 50s and 70s and they're so they're dealing with old style computers and things like that but apparently they were saving all their budget for the big finale which has a whole load of cgi in it involving the quantum realm and a whole bunch of other stuff and i thought they did a really good job with the budget that they had there was an article i was reading about a week ago where they interviewed the producers and talking about they write down everything that they want to do and then they start crossing things off the list in terms of what the budget will allow them to do which it's a real shame that it came to that because i'll say this now re-watching season one and two of agents of shield they had so much money back then the pilot of agents of shield has them on location in paris which is amazing to think about when you go to by the time they get to season five they're filming in the same dark corridors for 20 episodes because they can't afford to go anywhere instead they're on location in Malta and Puerto Rico and places like that at the beginning and the CGI is all over the. it's in every episode so I was really impressed that they were able to pull off what they did with the very very limited money that they had I also quite like the fact I mean I like the fact that they were able to actually finish the show as they wanted because again we talked about this in the in the last Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode the way that American television works is that you finish a season and you have no idea if you're going to come back for another season and what they did was they commissioned season Seven before season six was finished, which allowed them to set up a cliffhanger and to film season six and season seven back to back and conclude the storyline properly, which not every television show gets to do. Unfortunately, they didn't renew season seven in time before Ian DeCastigar, who plays Fitz, had already signed on to do a film, which is why season seven, one of the biggest downsides I have about season seven is that Fitz is not in it until about the third or second last episode of the season, which means we don't get the Fitz and Simmons dynamic that has been my favourite thing about this entire show all the way through. So that's one of the downsides of it. But I'm just glad that they were able to wrap it up. What did you think of the finale?
1: I loved it. I mean, we can't really give away too much about it because there were some absolute surprises in it. Although the one that's supposed to be the big surprise, I think I did see coming from a mile off. I think you know what I'm referring to. <laughs> I, I do know
0: what you're referring to. And I think, yeah, I was kind of speculating with some of the things that were mentioned earlier on in the season. But yeah, I was overall satisfied because when I think about what a last ever episode should do, it should give you closure to the characters. It should have callbacks to the best parts of earlier seasons. And I think it did that very well. And it should have cameos from earlier characters. And that was the one thing. There's a couple of characters that come back, but not as many as I would have liked. But again, I don't want. To spoil it. But yeah, I was very happy with the finale. It's not the best finale I've ever seen, but in terms of going out with a bang, in terms of giving us an idea of where the character is going to go, leaving it open for some of the characters to show up in other MCU properties if they want to go down that's that way. That's
1: exactly what I thought. I thought one in particular, they were possibly setting up for something that's very obviously going to happen in phase four of the MCU. i would be interested yes. to see if, I'll just say, if she reappears in that context. <laughs> so much of it was, like you say, pointed towards being used somewhere else. And I think in the last of you know you've got all these horrible nerdy comic and film sites you know saying ah we can all decide that the early tv series weren't canon now shut up they were and that's why i would love to see all these characters come back in some way even iron fist <laughs> yes genuinely
0: and that's the thing you mentioned iron fist there but the one thing about shield that it has that none of the other television shows have is it has comedy in it now daredevil and jessica jones that are fantastic but they don't have the sort of quirky jokes that shield does and i think that that was right from the start re-watching it right from the start they've got that kind of self-referential self-aware of the fact yes we know this is all sort of you know we know how sci-fi and superhero things are supposed to go down but this isn't going to be it and cracking jokes about it and that's something you don't really get it's the humor that you see in the films but this is the only television show where it's really evident and I, I like that i love how wisecracking phil Coulson gets when he's in the middle of a battle and going yeah you know we've seen this a million times you're not the first and things like that i think that's fantastic and i think it's i mean it may play into <laughs> more questions about the timeline and about how because that was the other thing about agents of shield season seven is that they do not acknowledge thanos's snap in any way whatsoever Yeah, I really thought they would. And especially considering that, again, we don't want to go into spoilers, but you see sort of a few years into the future from season seven onwards and from earlier on. And we did get a mention in season five, we got a mention that Thanos was coming and that stuff was happening in New York. And the fact that you then see a few characters living sort of a few years into the future after that, there's no mention of it at all. And I think that adds to my theory about the fact that when they went back in time in season five, they went to a different timeline that didn't have Thanos in it, which may make the things a bit difficult in terms of integrating them back into the original MCU unless, of course, Doctor Strange opens up his multiverse and just brings them all in that way. That was another sort of disappointment because they had all these ties to the MCU and they made a real effort to bring it in and to have all these references to the films and then the actual, the megaton event of the entire franchise is just never mentioned at all. And to be honest, I mean, maybe that is for the better of the show because they don't have to try and crowbar it in, but I would have liked at least a little bit of recognition of it, but You know, what are you going to do? There was also the episode set in the 50s that played out sort of like a noir detective episode. I think the entire thing was in black and white and it had sort of Coulson doing a sort of internal monologue, like one of these old kind of Nero Wolf type detective shows, where it's like, and this is where I found the body. The suspect was running from the scene and all this kind of stuff. And I thought it was the way that they made it canonical as well, the fact that his internal monologue was because, oh, yeah, we should really mention at this point that Coulson is a robot. And we (laughs) forgot
1: to mention that
0: because at this point, Phil Coulson, the actual Phil Coulson, I think died at the end of season five they wanted him back for season seven obviously they wanted to have clark Gregg as the actor continuing on the show so for season seven they brought him back as an lmd so that he could share his shield knowledge with them as they travel through history and they make several references to the fact that he's a robot and he he, again he's making jokes about it especially in the time loop episode because he relives all the time loops on his own because he has all the memories from the past and i think they did a really really good job of reinventing the character again after he died for something like the third or fourth time over the course of the show. I was glad that they were able to keep coursing in right until the end, because he is the star of the show, let's be honest. If he'd died halfway through and the series had continued without him, it just wouldn't have been the same.
1: Well, that's absolutely true, and that's one of the reasons why this final season was so satisfying, and in fact, I was looking into it earlier, I'd sometimes mention the aggregate approval scores that these things get. This is the only one that I've seen that's got 100% across the board. Obviously, there have been films and TV series that have nudged close to that in the high 90s, you know, Daredevil, Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier and so on. nothing has had 100% apart from this and I did initially think that's because it will have had less reviews and less votes cast but I also thought anyone who is reviewing it somewhere is going to be somebody who stayed with the whole series if they'd have felt let down by that finale they would have said so I'd be saying so now absolutely. and I think all of those ratings are genuine yeah. and I think it pleased everyone who stuck with it and I can't give it higher credit than that
0: absolutely and I think that's why again I tell everyone I know to watch watch this show i even say to them you know even if you just want to watch season four i think season four could pretty much be watched on its own because i think it takes place sort of six months to a year after season three and so there's kind of a soft reboot in that but i tell everyone i know to watch this show and i think i did see something earlier i take your point about the number of reviews but i did see something earlier if you go on rotten tomatoes and you look at their page on the marvel cinematic universe the most well received property in the mcu is black panther with a 96 percent and number two on the list is Agency of S.H.I.E.L.D. with a 95%. It is higher than every other film and every other TV series. And it's slowly been... Because again, we talked about this in the previous episodes. People watched the first season and then the audience kind of went away because the first season wasn't quite what they were expecting. And then it kept this core audience for the next seven seasons and it kept a continuous high level of quality from about season three onwards and was getting consistently amazing reviews. It just wasn't getting the viewership to support it. And so I'm quite thankful that ABC and Marvel let it continue and let it live out and let it have a proper finale because it did come close to cancellation a couple of times. In fact, I can't even remember if it did get cancelled after season five and brought back. I think it... Yeah, so the fact that they gave it a second chance and they let it sort of have a finale for the small fan base who fell in love with these characters and I consider these characters to be some of the best. I can't remember being this attached to characters in any other series like this.
1: Well, yeah, and it's not just a finale for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's actually bringing down the curve On the whole of the Infinity Saga of the MCU, that's it. That's the full stop on everything. I mean, I thought Spider-Man Far From Home was, but this really does pick up the few remaining loose ends. And wherever they go next in Phase 4, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? Because on the one hand, it looks like they're going into space. On the other hand, you've got Shang-Chi and Moon Knight out in the Middle East and Far East somewhere. There's talk of Spider-Woman coming in, of Ms. Marvel teaming up with Captain Marvel. And who knows what's going on, but we're done with the Infinity Saga and in light of that what's your thoughts on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a whole and how it fitted into all of that and how satisfying it was that it got the last word almost
0: again we, we talked about this before but the fact that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was started as another pillar of the MCU of the Infinity Saga it was the spin-off from the films to fill in what was going on while those films were going on and at the start it was all right it was trying too hard to fit into the MCU I think in terms of trying to have references to Thor the Dark World the the big one obviously being Captain America the Winter Soldier which kind of set the rest of the series in motion in a way and then left it to do its own thing in terms of fitting in as a whole I don't really know to be honest I kind of see it as its own thing now because it had a couple of references to the Sokovia cars and things like that but after that I think it was left to sort of do its own thing and stand on its own two feet I think it's tangentially tied to the Infinity Saga but I wouldn't say that it's I think we still need to view Endgame and Far From Home as the proper swan song of the Infinity Saga and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as just sort of it's a post-credit scene really because again we don't know if it's even in the same timeline anymore but it does have the finale you know it does say goodbye to the last character of the Infinity Saga which is Coulson as well as a couple of other characters that have sort of made their way in and out of that series as it's come and gone it's a satisfying conclusion and the fact that we've had this pandemic now which has kind of delayed everything else has kind of put an actual a bookend thinking about the series as a whole season four is the best season by far I still think it's some of the best television i've ever seen however on rewatch i remember saying that i thought that season one wasn't very good on rewatch watching it binging it i actually enjoyed it a lot more than i expected watching it first time around watching it week by week i think the binging helped and i also think knowing these characters and knowing where they end up and how they end up watching them right back at the start i actually was excited just to spend more time with them because i grew in that attached to them obviously i still think three four five and six are the better seasons but i don't think season one and two are as as I originally thought. It's a season that, it starts out alright, I would say. It's still funny, it still has some interesting episodes, there's still a bit of filler, but I think it is worth sticking out with. And if you're not willing to watch all seven seasons, stick on season four, that is the best one. If you love that and you love the characters, watch the rest of it. But I think, particularly the LMD pod and the framework pod, those two alone are some of the best, the most thrilling moments in the entire MCU, I would say. And, you know, I may be alone in thinking that, but that how I feel the actual the heart pounding moments in that are unlike something I have felt in a lot of the rest of the MCU so yeah I still think it's one of my favourite television shows of the past decade and I, w- I didn't say that after season 1 I didn't say it after season 2 I was starting to say it after season 3 and by season 4 it had cemented it for me.
1: Well my take on that would be again my appreciation for it has grown but because of a rather unusual thing I've done which is I've tried as far as is possible to watch everything in story order and that necessarily necessitates watching films in the middle of series that includes all the netflix ones fitting around them cloak and dagger and so on agents of shield slotted around the movies particularly early on does give you a fresh appreciation for that and for some of the films i mean particularly the lead into age of ultron and then age of ultron that intro in age of ultron with the avengers just barging in to try and get loki's scepter back which always kind of i always found that a bit lacking as an intro when you've just watched the agents of shield episode leading into it it feels a lot. more right. It makes a lot more sense. But I also found that my appreciation of those early episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. went up quite a bit because then you could treat them as just monster of the week stories apart from the big crossovers between everything else. And I enjoyed them a lot more. I don't recommend that everyone else goes out and does that, by the way. That is for people who've lost the plot only. But (laughs) it does all fit together. That's the incredible thing about it.
0: And that's what S.H.I.E.L.D. was designed to do. It was designed to fill in and tell the stories using characters from the films. People like Jasper Sitwell showing up and Lady Sif and I still think that Nick Fury showing up in the season one finale rescuing Fitz and Simmons out of the water I still think that ranks up there as one of the best cameos in the entire thing it was kind of spoiled by the fact he was given a special guest star credit at the beginning which kind of spoiled the (laughs) fact he was coming that takes place after Winter Soldier when obviously Nick Fury has faked his own death he's put on the sunglasses and he's now gone into hiding and you don't see him again in the films until the post-credit scene of Infinity War that moment when he shows up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D has extra weight to it because you're getting Nick Fury for the only time between Winter Soldier and Infinity Ward you're seeing Nick Fury and you're seeing what he's like and what he's doing while he's in hiding it's a shame that that was the most high profile cameo they got apart from the occasional ones like Lady Sif and Jasper Sitwell and things like that it's a shame that they couldn't get any more of the Avengers like they were originally planning to but again it would have blown their budget sky high yeah I'm re-watching it now and I think it lends itself to binging more than it lends itself to a week by week show if it had been been put on Netflix season by season like Daredevil and Jessica Jones where I think it would have been a lot more highly received at the start and to be honest watching it again knowing these characters and just knowing what happens to these characters you kind of watch it for the characters at the start you don't care about the plots. you know when they're doing the monster of the week thing you're learning who the characters are you're learning their backstories you're learning what makes them tick and you're watching the banter between them and the way that they make fun of each other the way that they mock each other the way that actually Ward is kind of the protagonist in the first few episodes, because in the pilot he is the focus. You start with him and then Coulson comes back into the picture as his boss. The fact that you go back to all of this, yeah, I just, I was really, really enjoying it, and I was sitting there thinking, why was I so bored by this last time round? It kind of benefits from a rewatch, although obviously I'm not going to say to people, you need to watch it twice to actually enjoy it, <laughs> but I think a lot higher of the earlier seasons than I did last time we spoke.
1: Well, we may not have got many more cameos actually in Age to S.H.I.E.L.D., but now that the TV series are being in integrated with the films we're probably going to see a lot more of that and we might yet see some of the agents of shield turn up who knows but we don't really know where the Marvel cinematic universe is going to go next yet but i have some ideas about where this is going to go next because this might be the last one as we said in the infinity saga but there's plenty more to talk about hopefully we'll be seeing you again at some point so david thank you and excelsior
0: thanks very much tim cheers
1: if you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can find more editions of it called Accept It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me, at timworthington.org.